Welcome to the Hope Unlimited Church Podcast. We are so honored to connect with you, and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Chapter number 11. I'm only going to read one verse to you, and uh, that'll be all that we're that's be the one verse that we that we extract today. And I'm going to preach this last message. We started this series two weeks ago called Tests That Every Leader Must Pass. Test that every leader must pass. And I've got a couple here today that I want to share with you that I think will encourage you. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11, verse number. 13. And before we get into that, I do want to make this announcement that yesterday was an incredibly, incredibly special day for me and for our family. It was my precious wife, Lindsay. It was her uh, 23rd birthday. Would you tell my wife happy birthday? She's actually 32, but see what I did there. And uh, so, so, so excited to celebrate that. We've been married almost 13 years, or is it 13 years? Almost, yeah, it's, that's, that's what I said, almost 14. That's what I said. <laughs> that's what I said. All right, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11, verse number 13. For all the law and the prophets prophesied until John. That's all we're going to take right there. For all the law and the prophets prophesied until John, or for all the prophets in the law, prophesied until John. All the law and all the prophets, what did they do? They prophesied until John. Amen. Now, before we get into this, I want to share this, this thought with you. We're always, I'm always conscious of trying to create uh, the type of environment, the type of culture that I want to see in our church. That's, that's something very challenging for every leader to do is to, to set the pace, to set the tone, to, to create a culture that you want in your church. A, basically to get everybody on the same page that says, as a church, this is how we function. This is how we operate. Now, in saying that, let me tell you this. We, I never intended to move to Knoxville to plant a church that um, just kind of was, was real quiet and silent and reverent and just kind of sit there and listen. I don't believe that's, I don't believe that's what you see in the book of Acts. They got so rowdy in the book of Acts, they thought they were drunk. They said, these people are so out of control, they are drunk. He said, we ain't drunk, it's too early for us to be drunk, all right? Jesus was so rowdy that they said, this man is possessed by the devil. You got to be pretty rowdy to be being accused of being possessed by the devil. Are you with me? When I want, and I want to teach you this principle before we ever get into the message this morning. Hear me and hear me good. Whenever you are receiving from a ministry gift, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, bishop, elder, deacon, uh, worship leader, uh, psalm, whatever you want to call it. Whenever you are receiving from a ministry gift... It is our job, whenever I'm receiving from a ministry gift, it is my job to make a demand on their anointing. 
It is my job to make a demand on their anointing because I will never receive more from them than I make a demand for. It's like when you walk up to the ATM and you put your debit card in and it says, how much money do you want? If you put in $20, it's not going to give you $400. You will only receive to the demand that you make. So when you are sitting in a worship service and people want God to move, want God to move, want God to move, we all want God to move. God's not waiting on us. God's not, we're not waiting on God to move. God's waiting on us to move. A move of God, listen, a move of God never begins with the move of God. A move of God always begins with the move of man first. You draw nigh to me, he said, and then I will draw nigh to you. So when you are sitting in ministry, when you are sitting up under ministry, you have to make a demand on that to say, I need you to feed me today. I need you to give me a word from God today. I need you to speak something into my life that's going to shape and transform me. I came to make a demand on you today. Oh, hallelujah. It's when the woman with the issue of blood was walking through the streets and she grabbed Jesus' garment and virtue shot out of him. And Jesus turned around and he said, who touched me? And they said, a bunch of people touched you. He said, yeah, a bunch of people touched me, but one person made a demand on me. And when they made that demand on me, they received what they've been believing God for. Are you with me? That's why I'm always encouraging you to engage. That's why our worship leaders are always saying, lift your hands. Somebody clap. Somebody shout. Somebody Because we're trying to train you. you got to make a demand on it. Not when you feel like it. You hearing what I'm saying? But when you don't feel like it. I could get, I don't know how deep into this to go because you might think I'm crazy. There are times all through the Bible where somebody's miracle was waiting on the other side of their obedience to somebody else's word. Jesus would say this, go show yourself to the priest. Why? What was the big deal about showing themselves to the priest? Nothing. Except that's what he said to do. Come on now, this is what I'm talking about. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There was nothing significant about it except for the fact that's what he said to do. I've been trained my whole life that when you're in a service, somebody says lift your hands, you lift your hands because on the other side of that obedience might be the thing that you're believing God for. <laughs> I, could get, I, could go right, I could go way down this road, but I don't want to freak you out. Okay. You have to make a demand on it to receive from it. Because I've seen people growing up in church my whole life that will sit there and you could not blow them out of their seat with a stick of dynamite. And then they have the nerve to say, I'm not receiving anything from God. You didn't draw near first. There's a difference between showing up and sitting down and drawing near. <laughs> Are you with me this morning? I said, are you with me this morning? You have to make a demand on it. When Emily's up here leading worship, you got to make a demand on it. you got to press through. When you don't feel like it, you got to stir up yourself. Glory be to God. I said, you got to stir up yourself. That's what he said in the book of Jude, building up yourself, praying in the Holy Ghost. That's what Paul told Timothy, fan into flame the gift of God that's down on the inside. you got to stir yourself up. We traveled, last, we traveled last week, I don't even know how many, it was like 40-something hours straight, and then got to get up and preach. You know what you got to do? You got to stir yourself up. 
you got to tell your flesh, my spirit is in control. You are not in control. When you come on a Sunday morning after you've had a long week at work, you got to say, my spirit is still in control. My flesh is not in control. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's what it means to be a disciple. That's what it means to have discipline. That's what it means to be led by the spirit. That means my spirit is stronger than my body. So when my body screams, I'm tired, your spirit says, shut up, because I'm not. I need somebody to help me. Your spirit says, I'm coming to hear something from God. I'm coming to get in the presence of God. When your soul, when your mind says, I'm tired and I'm exhausted and I can't even right now, your spirit says, shut up. You don't even have to right now. I don't need your mind. I need your spirit. Man is a spirit. He possesses a soul. He lives in the body. I ain't got time to go all the way down this road. You hearing what I'm saying? You got, somebody else still going. You're like, you look terrified at this point. You're like, yeah, whatever. You got to make a demand on the anointing. When somebody gets up to preach, when somebody gets up to teach, and some of you might not even come to church here, and that's fine. But when your pastor stands up in that house and he begins to declare what God said to him, you got to make a demand on it. Press to grab that garment and say, there's something in that that might be for me. Well, you got to make a demand on it. You got to make a demand on it. You got to pull on it. You got to pull on it. You don't, put, you don't put $20 in the ATM and shoot out $400. You put in $20, you get out $20. You put in folded arms, you get a cold message. You put in, you, you put in a bored expression, you get a dull worship service. The church is not boring. We are. Y'all okay this morning? Got to make a demand on it. Has absolutely nothing to do with what I'm going to preach. But I had to get that off my chest. Amen? Got to make a demand on it. I don't know that's not the popular Christian culture today. I don't really care. I don't really care. I'm not trying to plant a church that looks like the culture. I'm trying to plant a church that looks like the kingdom of God. The culture has never changed anybody. But the kingdom of God has changed all of us. Let's quit trying to look like the culture. Let's start trying to look like the kingdom of almighty God. Is there anybody with me in the house this morning? I don't want to look like the culture. I want to look like the kingdom. Well, you got to be, you got to be like them to win them. Right? I don't believe that. Well, you know, I, I go out and I drink with them because I'm trying to win them. It sounds like they're winning you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We missed y'all, man. We missed y'all. Hallelujah. All right. All right. Let's recalibrate. All right. Matthew 11. It's good, ain't it? I could keep preaching on that right there for the next hour. You got to make a demand on it. You got to make a demand on it. You don't sit there for 20 years and then God all of a sudden just absolutely transform you. You got to press into it. That's why he said in Luke 16, he said when the kingdom is God, when the kingdom of God is preached, you got to press into it. You got to press into it. And so when people come to church and they sit there cold and dead and numb and disinterested, then they say things like this, I'm not receiving from him. It's not that you're not receiving from him. It's because God's locked you out of what you do not honor. I'm telling you what, man. 
It's because God's locked you out of what you do not honor. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God is preached in all men. Press into it. So I want to build in the culture of this church. I want to build a little bit more of an aggressive mentality. I don't know what we got to do. If we got to make the coffee black and hook you up to an IV. Get a little bit more of an aggressive culture about this place. Get a little bit more of a pressing culture about this place. Get a little bit more of, a, of, a, of, a, of, an, of an attitude that says, I'm going to go after God. We're only going to be there 70 minutes. I can give God 70 minutes out of my entire week. I'm going to go and I'm going to press into what God wants for me. Amen? All right. Test. Every leader must pass. Your Bible said that all the law and all the prophets prophesied until John, all right? All the law, all the prophets prophesied until John. Now, it's very interesting because this is what he's saying. All of the Old Testament, all of the Old Testament, the law, the first five books of Moses, also known as the Pentateuch, the first five books of Moses, all the law and all the prophets, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Malachi, Zephaniah, Haggai, he said all the law and all the prophets, they were prophesied. He's saying when you read the law, you have to read it as prophecy. When you read about the tabernacle of Moses, you got to read it as prophecy. When you read about Noah's Ark, you got to read it as prophecy. When you read about all of the offerings in Leviticus, you got to read it as prophecy. And it's prophesying of the coming of Jesus, right? It's not a trick question. Just say yes. It's all prophesying of the coming of Jesus, right? So all the law and the prophets were prophesying of Jesus. So you have the law and the prophets. You have all the promises. And then in Jesus, you have the fulfillment, okay? All the law and the prophets were prophesying about Jesus, so you have promise, fulfillment. All along the prophets prophesied. They prophecy, fulfillment. Prophecy, fulfillment. You see that? You see that? It's real simple. You see that? All along the prophets prophesied about Jesus. However, Matthew did not say that all of the law and the prophets prophesied until Jesus. He did not say that prophecy stopped being prophecy when the fulfillment showed up. He said all of the law and the prophets were prophecy until John showed up. John was not the fulfillment. So what happens in between the promise and the fulfillment? Most of the time in church, this is how we think the order goes. God gives us a promise we wait 20 years, and then he finally fulfills it out of his own good, gracious, kind mercy after we about killed everybody in our life, ourselves included. Okay? That's not what he's saying at all. He's saying all of your promises that God spoke to you, all of the promises that God's given you, all of the prophecies that God's spoken over your life, and if you don't even know that language, if you don't understand the language of prophecies and God speaking these things, don't worry about it. Just hang in here. It's a slippery slope. Okay, just fake like you know what I'm talking about. Just be like, it's good. <laughs> 
all the law and the prophets prophesied. Hang in, I promise you I'm going somewhere. Not until fulfillment. So he said this, the promises that God's given you, they do not cease to be promises when he starts fulfilling them. That would mean that it was promise until Jesus. He said your promises stop being promises not when you meet fulfillment, but when you meet John. What was John's message? Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Watch. All of your promises cease to be promises, not when they reach fulfillment, but when you start preparing for it. All the law and the promises, all of the law and the prophets, they prophesied until preparation showed up. And if you miss preparation, you will ignore preparation and fill in the gap between promise and fulfillment with waiting. And he said, you're not called to sit here and wait. You are called to be actively preparing. Everybody in this room, you are in the preparation season of something that God wants to do in your life. Now, are you spending that season actually preparing or are you spending that season waiting? All the law and the prophets, they prophesied until John came and everybody started getting prepared. He's saying it is no longer prophecy. He's saying you start moving toward fulfillment, not when you see fulfillment, but when you start preparing for fulfillment. Hallelujah. Let me give it to you this way. There's, there's, this, there's this great prophet, this great man of God, anointed prophet. You can YouTube him. I listen to him all the time. His name is Coach Nick Saban. He is a man of God. Everybody's like, go big orange. This man of God, this prophet Nick Saban. I call him my spiritual father. He doesn't know it yet, but he is. He said this, listen. He said, we suffer in one of two ways. We will suffer in one of two ways. We will either suffer, number one, through discipline, or we will suffer through disappointment. If you are willing to suffer through the discipline, you get to avoid the suffering of disappointment. But if we are unwilling to suffer through discipline, then we are destined to suffer through disappointment. Let me make it real practical to you. Let me make it real practical to you. In your, in, when, it com when, it comes to, when it comes to how you manage your money, you will either suffer through discipline, meaning got to get on a budget, got to cut up them credit cards. There is a, listen, there is, there is a demon that gets in a credit card that, that there are things that happen when you open those credit card statements that are mathematical impossibilities. How did that happen? There's a demon that gets in there that makes you forget how much you spent. Like, I've only used it three times. $1,900 later. When it comes to handling your finances, you will either handle them through discipline. I'm going to be a faithful giver. I'm going to tithe first. Tithing is not the bottom line item on my budget if I have it left over. Tithing is the top line item on my budget if I have it left over. And if American Express and my new dress envelope budget doesn't, get, doesn't happen, then it doesn't happen. You will either suffer through discipline 
Or you will end up at 60 with no money to your name and you will suffer through disappointment. You hearing what? Are y'all with me? This is what I'm talking about, making a demand on something. You got to say, yes, that is right. You will suffer through discipline. You will suffer through, you will, you will, you will get up in the morning and go for a jog or at least a brisk walk in my case. Or things will start happening to your body that you never saw coming. I can look at a Pop-Tart and gain weight. Why are you laughing down there? My daughter, why are you laughing? What do you think is so funny? You will either suffer the discipline of, of, of controlling your appetite in your body, or you will suffer the disappointment of your body breaking down over time. You will suffer. We will suffer in one of two ways. Through discipline, or through your when you have kids, you will you will suffer one of two ways. You will either suffer having to discipline them, which is not fun. Sometimes it's fun, depending on how mad you are. Right, right. You know that old statement: "It hurts you more than it hurts me." That's not always the case. <laughs> Quit acting holy on me. Quit acting Mr. Rogers on me. I'd ask your kid this morning. Mama was yelling on the way to church and then got out and said, you better shut up and better go in there and praise God. Better get your tail in there and praise God. I'm going to beat you. And bless God, you're going to enjoy it. Now get out of that altar and pray. You will either suffer the discipline at this age or you will suffer the disappointment at a bigger age when they've never had to suffer the reality of discipline. Okay. Whenever God calls you as a leader to do something inside the kingdom, you will either A, suffer the discipline of having to prepare for it, or you will suffer the disappointment of having never reached your full potential. But we will suffer in one of two ways. We will suffer in one of two I get asked this question on social media all the time. All the time. How do you preach? How do you prepare a sermon? How do you prepare a sermon? What book could I get to help me prepare a sermon? What book? The Bible. That'll help you prepare a sermon better than any other book. They want to know, but, but how? Like, like, how do I do it? But you know what I mean? I, and this is my answer. This is what you do, okay? You study, you think, you write, and you pray. That's it. Yeah, 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 I know that. But like, but like how do you do it? All right? Let me go real slow. You study, you think, you write, you pray, yeah, well, well, yeah, sure, 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 but, but, you know, how do you, like, how do you, like, how do you, like, do it, you know, how do you, like, you stuck, we, we want all of the reward without sowing any of the effort, and when it comes to embracing the fullness of your purpose, we have a tendency to want all of the reward without sowing any of the effort, in reality, we want to avoid both discipline and disappointment. Because the moment we experience discipline, well, that might not be God because our flesh is screaming when we tell our flesh, no. You might have, if you're going to serve God right, you might have to say no to some stuff. 
You might have to say no to some people. Listen at how radical Jesus was. A man walks up to Jesus and says, I want to follow you, but my father died. And Jesus says, you let the dead bury the dead, but you follow me. What? Might have to tell your flesh, no. No. You don't, oh God help me. We don't, we don't say this anymore in church. We think being a Christian is showing up, drinking coffee, lifting a hand, and walking out. Before the Bible even introduces the word Christian, you know what word it uses to talk about me and you? Disciple. You know what the root word of disciple is? Discipline. That we discipline our flesh. Hallelujah. That we discipline, that we tell ourselves, no, no. We We want to avoid both discipline and disappointment. And we don't understand that in both is how God makes you into who he's called you to be. Leaders are not born. They're made. And they're not made by going to get a degree from school, although I think you should. They are made by God taking you through tests and making you pass them. And God is not afraid to give you a repeat course Right? There are some tests you just passed just simply because you don't ever want to go through that again. There are some people you just decide to love and embrace and forgive because you want God to take them out of your life. And the quicker I learn this, the quicker we can move on. When I first preached this, I told you about three, three different tests God takes you through. And I know that you've been reading the notes at home and listening to the podcast and just feasting on God's word. Right? Right. We talked about the time test when God gives you a word. But it doesn't happen when you want it to, how you want it to. Everybody's been through that. We talked about the submission test when God tells you to do something you don't want to do. And then there is no way out. You ever try to talk God out of an order that he's given you? I want you to go up to that person. I want you to tell them I love you and and would you please forgive me? God, no, please, Jesus, God, I will pray extra. I will fast 365 days this year, but please don't make me walk up to her and tell her I am sorry and I repent to her. Come on, somebody. God, please, God, please, God, please. No, 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 no. I will give extra. I will tithe extra. I will show up every, every Sunday at 7 and I will set up the whole church by myself. But God, please don't make me tell her I'm sorry. And you know what God says? Nothing. God treats us sometimes like we treat our kids. What did I say? No, God, please, please, please. please, 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 please. I, feel like God's t- I feel like God's telling me to move. I feel like God's telling me to leave Knoxville. I'm going to move to Canada in Jesus' name. I want to move to Canada in Jesus' name. God, is that, is that you? What did I say? You could avoid all of the theatrics. We could avoid all of the theatrics if we would just submit to what he said. So God takes us through the submission test. Then God takes us through the motivation test where God purifies our motive, right? Y'all remember that? Richard talked about honor. Now, let me give you, I'm real quick, I'm running out of time. Uh, let me give you three, three real quick tests that God takes you through. Okay, if you got something to write with, write it down. If we don't write in church anymore, type. Get them thumbs worked out. Another test that God takes us through, I call it this. I call it the next level Test. The next level 
test. This is what it means. When you sense your own personal walk with God beginning to plateau, beginning to hit a tough spot, not being as, uh, as exciting as it used to be, not being as emotionally charged as it used to be, having to cause going to your, when, you, when you're at home and you have to go pray, it's a little bit more of a labor now. It used to be that I loved to do it and couldn't wait to do it. I even put the kids early. I would ground the kids early, put them to bed early, look for them to get into trouble so I could put them to bed early so I could go pray. And now it's a little bit more of a task. Now it's a little bit more of a chore. Used to, used to get in this book, and I used to read this book, and I used to love this book, but now it doesn't have, it doesn't have my attention the way, the way that, it, that, that it used to have my attention. It, it's not, it's not, I, I, found my, I find myself now watching more TV than I do in this book. That's when you know you're, you're at the next level test, when there's, when there's a deeper dimension in your walk with God that you've got to get to, but now you've hit a wall. And God's going to see how you respond to that test. Because whenever we are at the next level test, our tendency as American Christians, our tendency is, let's just change churches. Because the plateau can't be my fault. So let's just change churches. And then we go to that church and we find the same plateau. And then we go to the next church and we find the same plateau. And we go to the next church and we find the same plateau and the same plateau. Some people will get so extreme, they start moving cities. They start city hopping because they're trying to break through this plateau that they're at. And they think, I can fix what's going on on the inside if I just change what's going on on the outside. One of the biggest mistakes we make in our life is when we believe we can fix what's going on in here by changing what's going on out here. That's not how you fix what's going on in here. That's not how you change. When you, when, you are, when you are not happy in your marriage, your solution is not change what's going on out here. It's not get a new spouse. It's not trade that husband in for a younger, a younger one. You're not going to fix what's going on in here with changing what's going on around you. That's not how that gets fixed. And in church, in American church, our tendency is, well, if I'm not getting what I need, I'm just going to change churches. And maybe they will hold the key that will keep me codependent upon them. And maybe they will be the ones that take me to the next level. And after all, I've been serving God 20 years. But maybe they will take my hand and they will walk me to the next step in God. And God is saying, I'm trying to get you there, just me and you. Forget your pastor. Forget your worship team. Forget what your building looks like. Forget if they've got good groups and good coffee and soft donuts. I'm trying to take Take you to a deeper place of prayer and revelation that gets born out of just me and you walking together. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When you hit that plateau, you got a decision to make. You got a decision. When you, I, I remember, I remember. I've told you this story before. I know I have, but in, in, in our church, growing up in our Baptist church, you always went to the altar every time. Every time. It didn't matter what it was about. You went to the altar and you prayed. And you got right because you were never right. And. Uh, so I, I remember as a young man, I remember when this started happening to me. As a young man, I would go to the altar after every church service, pray, weep, cry, repent. Nine years old, God, I am such a filthy, rank, disgusting, vile worm of a human. Please forgive me. Nine. I mean, it was real bad. And uh, 
whenever I would get up from praying, y'all, y'all have experienced this. Look at me, look at me. Y'all have experienced this. Whenever you get up from one of those seasons of prayer, your walk with God has a new emotional burst to it. Right? You're like, oh, yes. <sighs> Got cleaned up. Got right. Everything's good. I'm going to serve God for real. Of course, next Sunday rolls around. you got to wash, rinse, repeat. But that's very much beside the point. But, but for the next two days, you're going after God. Because there's a new fresh burst behind it. Y'all remember that? Some of y'all have been serving God so long, you don't, you don't, you don't remember those days. But, back, but when, when you were first a baby in the Lord, and you would go and you'd pray, and he would touch you, and he would give you peace and reassurance, you'd get up, and there'd be like a, this fresh push. Oh, I'm going to serve God. Yes, I'm going to go home and read that whole Bible. That whole Bible. You made it three chapters, but bless God, you meant well. Okay. And I remember uh, my whole growing up life, that would happen. I would go pray, and I'd get up, and I'd have this, oh, go seek God. I'm going to serve God. And I remember, I remember that going to the altar and praying over time no longer had the same effect. I no longer felt that big emotional push behind me. Now I can't rely on my emotions to carry me into the prayer closet. Now I've got to rely on my will to carry me into the prayer closet. That's called maturing in God. Now I don't have to have my emotions to line up with doing what is right. Now I just do what is right because it is right, period. Most of the time, doing the right thing feels totally wrong. Bless your enemies. You think that feels good? Love those that persecute you. Y'all with me? Come on, y'all with me? Love your enemies. Pray for those that persecute. You think that feels good? So God purifies. God, God, God makes us hit this plateau in our walk with him to say, all right, now what are you going to do? Are you going to start blaming every church in Knoxville? Are you going to start blaming every pastor in Knoxville? Are you going to go recover a prayer closet that you used to have? And me and you are going to break through into the next level together. Because God's taking you through the next level test. And if you ever learn to break through the next level on your own, you will never be codependent upon church again. You will never need a church service to do for you what God's wanting to do for you in the privacy of your own prayer closet at home. You'll never need a preacher to stand up and say, this is what this verse means. Because God's been speaking that verse to you all week long before you ever showed up. He's trying to take you through the next level test. He's trying to get you to the place where you doesn't have to have emotion behind it. It just has this is right behind it. If you conduct your marriage emotionally, you will end up divorced. Because nothing can get your emotions stirred up like marriage. Nothing can tick you off. Right? Like marriage. Huh? Nothing can do it. And until you come to a place where you say, I'm going to treat you right, I'm going to talk to you right, not even because that's what I think you deserve, but because that's the right thing to do. Until you get to that place, until you get to, God, you're always going to be at this next level trying to break through, trying to break through, trying to press in, trying to go deeper. And I can never get to where I need to be because I don't have all of the feels that go with it. And God is saying, I'm trying to strip away from you emotionalism as your fuel. Let my face be your fuel for going to the prayer closet. Let the beauty of my word be your fuel for going to the prayer closet. Hallelujah. Are you with me this morning? So God takes us through the, the next. Let me give you one more. I'm out of time. I've got, I've got two more. Let me give you one more. 
and then I'll, I'll shut up, I promise. All right. God takes us through the next level test. Second test God takes us through. I want you to hear me and hear me good because I, I'm, I'm teaching this stuff on purpose. This is why I'm teaching this stuff because I'm not seeing it in the current Christian culture of the church. Fundamental biblical truth. I'm not seeing it. I'm not, I'm not seeing it build strong believers. I'm not seeing it build people that grow in a walk with God on their own and turn around and do something for the kingdom. I'm not seeing that. I'm seeing Christianity become, it's really a cultural thing, especially in America. It's a cultural thing. It's a hype thing. It's, a, it's an exciting thing. It's what you do. I just go to that church. Never had an encounter with God. I just go there because that's just what I do. I'm not seeing, I'm not seeing the Bible get get. And deposited in somebody's spirit and grow them up. Okay? So, second one. God's going to take you through what I call, write this down, the planted test. The planted test. This is what it means. God, it's when God establishes you in a church and makes you serve the house until he says otherwise. See, we don't, do you see what I'm saying? You see, we don't talk about like that anymore. We don't talk like that. Because here's one of the things they tell church planners, don't put any pressure on people. Make church the most, the most um, non-pressured environment ever. And I want to say, do you own a Bible? Have you, Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you have to deny yourself, take up your, if you want to follow me, lose your life. I'm not seeing, we don't talk like that anymore. So God takes us through the planet test where God establishes us in a church and then makes us serve there. Not until we get frustrated, not until our feelings get hurt, until he says otherwise. Because what getting planted in a church will do is it will teach you to embrace difficulty. It'll teach you to survive hardship and tough situations. And our usual response is we quit at the first sign of difficulty. So the moment, I need somebody to lock in here with me. Give me three more minutes and I will be out of your hair. But I need somebody that's grown up in the kingdom that says that is exactly right. I need somebody to say, no, if you want to serve God, part of serving God is, and I'm not even telling you to connect to this house. I'm saying you got to go find the house God's connected you to and you put down roots and you do not move until God tells you to move. And if the pastor never speaks to you, I don't care. If that's the house God told you to serve in, you put down your roots and that's where you serve. If you, Oh, hallelujah. If they never recognize your baby's birthday, I'm sorry that that happened. But if God told you to get planted there, you get planted there and you do not move. I need somebody to shout amen. Because that's a test you have to pass if you're going to lead in this kingdom. That's a test you're going to have to pass to you lead in this kingdom. People shop for churches the same way they shop for cars. Well, what color are the walls in the kids' room? Because that will determine whether or not I come. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me right now? 
Whatever happened to God told me to serve up under a man of God. God told me to connect to a house and I'm not moving. Even if they ain't got a kids department, me and the kids will read Bible stories when we get home on Sunday afternoon. But if God told me to go to that house, that's where I'm going to go. If God told me to get planted there, that's where I'm going to get planted. I'm telling you, if you want to grow in God, this is the stuff that will grow you up. I'm not giving you Twinkies this morning. I'm giving you turnip greens. This is the stuff that will grow you up. I'm going to get planted in the house, and I'm not going to move. The ministry we just came from, we were there for 15 years. Do you know how foreign it is to church culture today to be a part of anything for 15 years? They're like, 15 years? My God, what's your problem? That's the way I was taught. You know how many times I wanted to leave? Oh, every week. You know how many times they made a decision that I absolutely emphatically thought was horrible? And disagreed with, and they're going to listen to the podcast. They know this. We've had these conversations. I still love him. There were times where I would be so frustrated, I would go home. I couldn't even talk to Lindsay about it. But I just kept not, no. What happened? Shut up. But honey, what? I need to go shoot something. But I didn't leave. You know why? Because God didn't tell me to. It's not because I didn't get my feelings hurt. It's not because I didn't get offended. It's not because I didn't get frustrated. It's because I got planted. And I'm not leaving till God tells me to get planted. And as long as my roots are here, there's still some water that I'm drinking from that's going to grow me up. It takes you through the getting planted. Because our usual response is leave. That's how, that, that, that's why, that is why, that is why. And, I, and, and I, you're going to feel condemned when I say this. Don't feel condemned. Everybody's been on vacation. I'm so glad you went on vacation. Thank God the summer's over. But I'm so glad you went on vacation. But the, the 63% of the church today, they attend church once every six weeks. Once every six weeks. That's the culture. You know why? Because nobody's saying, if you want to become everything God's called you to become, you don't get the luxury of showing up once every month and a half. You got to get planted. You got to get planted. Why? Because it's a test that God's going to see whether or not you can pass. God's going to see whether or not you can pass. I have to give it to you. Y'all keep showing up week after week with no air conditioner. My God, if you ain't planted the test by now, I don't know. If you ain't passed the test by now, I don't know. It's a test. It's a test. It's standing in between the law and the prophets and fulfillment. That's what's in the in-between, the messy middle. God, you told me to be there? I'm going to be there. Disagree with everything? Don't even like Pastor Casey's clothes? But I'm going to be there. Uh, <laughs> worship's too loud? We're in a gym for crying out loud. We're in a basically a brick can But when God tells you to get planted, you put down roots and you don't move. And then God's going to let offenses come. And God's going to let misunderstanding come. And God's going to let frustration come. And you know what you're going to do? Like a tree planted by the water. I'm not going to be moved. The only thing that's going to move me is his voice. Because when you don't move, when you, there's something that happens when you go get planted in a house and you stay there and you drink from that fountain week after week, month after month, year after year, and you just prove to be faithful and you prove to be loyal. We'll go ahead and begin playing. You just prove that I'm not going anywhere. God's told me to be here. There's an authority that God puts on your life. 
There's an anointing that God puts on your life after you've passed that test. And that's where you get the power to speak into somebody else. Why? Because I've already been there, bro. And if I passed it, you can pass it. If I pass it, you can pass it. There's a, there's a competition in church planning today. Who's got the best coffee? Because whoever's got the best coffee, that's whose church is going to grow the fastest. And the moment somebody down the street discovers a different way to make a better donut, they're all going to leave that church and come to yours. Right? Because we've created a consumer mentality in the church. Right? What's in it for me? What's in it for me? They will even tell you that. They will tell you, go into a city and ask people, what are you looking for from a church? And then whatever they say, just build your church to look like that. So if they say, I don't want a sweaty preacher, well, then don't be a sweaty preacher. If they say, I want two songs, then do two songs. If they say, I want services to last 40 minutes, well, make sure you make services last 40 minutes. Are we insane? Number one, we don't need to give people what they want. We need to give people what they need. And if they knew what they needed, they would be in church already. Right? You know what we need? You know what we need in Knoxville? We need somebody that will be getting planted. Say, if this is where God told me to be, I'm not doing it because I like the pastor. I'm not doing it because I like the people. I'm doing it because this is where God told me to be. And when I move, it'll be because God told me to move. And nothing else. And all the stuff can come and go and people can say what they're going to say and do what they're going to do. And decisions are going to be made that I don't have all the information to and I do not understand. And I'm not going to like it. But you know what? I'm going to stay planted. Because it's a test that I've got to pass if I ever want to reach fulfillment. This is te- these are tests that every leader has to pass. Amen. Stand up on your feet. The third one I was going to give you was going to be the vision test. You ever feel like you're taking about four of these at the same time? The vision test is when what I see with these eyes and what I see with these eyes are not the same thing. What do you do? When God showed you something in here, but it doesn't look like it out here. What do you do? We'll do that another time. Lift your hands to him. Father, we come to you today, and we thank you. Oh, we love your word. We love your spirit. We love your presence. We love your anointing. And God, I thank you for every precious person in this room. I thank you that you are turning them, you are changing, you are turning them into everything you want them to be. You are making them. They are becoming everything you want them to be. You are making them into the man of God and the woman of God you've called them to be. And God, this morning we say yes to the test. We say yes to the process. We say yes. Do whatever you want to do in us. God, the things in us that you don't want there, take out of us. The things that are not in us that you do want there, put it in us. We say yes to the process. Can somebody agree with me this morning and just tell God yes to the process? 
I embrace the test. I embrace, I embrace John. On the way to Jesus, I embrace John. I embrace preparation. You've given me the promise. And now I step into preparation. God, I submit. I submit to the test. In Jesus' name. And the church shouted, Amen. Amen. I want to have some of our prayer team come. You guys go ahead. You guys go ahead. I want to have some of our prayer team come. If you need prayer this morning, maybe you don't know the Lord. I want you to listen before you, before you move around and, and start zipping up your Bible and your purse and all that. Listen to me real quickly just for another moment. If you don't know Jesus Christ this morning is your Lord and Savior, you can leave this building as a shirt for heaven as if you were already there. Or if you used to know God and you used to serve God, but you're not serving Him the way you know you need to, you're not where you need to be with God, that can be fixed in a moment, friend. That can be fixed by drawing near to Him, and He promised He would draw near to you. If you need prayer for healing in your body or an issue going on in your home, could be... Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit hopeunlimited.church give. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Unlimited Church.